Good morning and welcome to the Agape Methodist Church Daily Devotions Podcast. I would like to begin these devotions with another song. This song is entitled, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. This is one of my favourite songs because it reminds me that God is present with me, not just in church or in a special place, but God is present with me everywhere. Whether I'm in the car or in the bus or in my office or in my room at home, God is with me. And not only is God with me, but His glory shines around me. It makes me realize again how possible it is to be holy as God has called us to be holy. And even more than that, that His power is here with us. His power to heal, His power to minister. And so as we sing this song together, may we be reminded once again that God is with us and that He empowers us to go out and minister. Be still for the presence of the Lord The Holy One is here Come now before Him now With reverence and fear Moving in this place. 
Let's look now at today's scripture passage. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. If you have your devices with you or your Bible with you, let's turn to the passage. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What was it in John the Baptist that attracted people to him? People came to him all of Jerusalem, the whole city of Jerusalem, people just came, and not only in Jerusalem, but all of Judea and the, the surrounding area around Jordan. Just think, hordes and hordes of people walking miles and miles, tens of miles, hundreds of miles, going to hear this man. But what was attractive about John the Baptist? This passage says that he wore camel's hair and had he wore camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. He wasn't a suave preacher. He wasn't well-dressed and attractive. In fact, in, later on in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus asked his disciples again, what did you all go out to the wilderness to look for? Was it a man dressed in fine clothing? But it couldn't have been because men dressed in fine clothing live in palaces. But this man was in the desert. He wasn't even in the city nearby. He was in the wilderness. And all of you went to look for him. What was it about John the Baptist that drew people to him? I believe it was the people's hunger for the presence of God. People were hungry to know that God has not deserted them, but that God was still present with them and that God's rule would be upon them and people were desperately hungry for that. And then John the Baptist saw the leaders 
of their religion, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ones who ran their religion, and he had harsh words for them because it was they who had misled the people and had misrepresented God. And he said to them, repent and show fruits that lead to repentance, that display your repentance, because right now judgment has come. What did Jesus mean when he said, judgment has now come right now? It wasn't the end of the world yet. In fact, the world has still not ended. And yet judgment had come in the sense that with every act of disobedience, the hearts were further hardened and people would be turned away from God and they would have to answer for it. You know, it's a very, very sober warning to the church. We often look at the West. For example, we look at England and we see the churches that are emptying out, becoming places of entertainment. And we say, well, lately, people have become godless. My daughter lived in England for four years. And indeed, the people there hate God. And yet, as she probed further, the people did not hate God. They hated the image of God that was portrayed by the church. The church had spent decades and centuries building up itself with pomp and splendor, looking at how to make the church attractive, how to make the church powerful. Not the power of God, but power in their, in their finances, power in their earthly power to control people, to dictate the lives of people. The church had become a representation of something that was not God itself. And the people, when they saw the church, did not see a right image of God. Rather, they saw an image of God was judgmental, a God who preserved the power of the rich and the wealth of the rich, a church that did not care. And the people hated that image of God. It is the same in America. These days we look in despair and horror at how the evangelical church is behaving, supporting a president who is selfish, who is divisive, who is a liar. And we say, wonder why did the church, how did the church get deceived so suddenly? And yet the church was not deceived so suddenly. The rot had begun long ago, years and decades ago. The rot began when people became, began to associate the church with their culture, with their superiority. They were more concerned about building the image of the church. And so the people, when they saw Christians, what they see is a judgmental God, a God who is heartless, a God who is dishonest. The greatest disfavor, the greatest harm that has been done to the cause of Christ is not from outside, but was from within the church. And we look then now closer to ourselves in Singapore. And we look also at Agape Methodist Church. And we need to ask that question, have we become so engrossed in projecting the image of God in terms of entertainment, in terms of attractiveness, have we been marketing our church? 
thinking of ways of getting people in the church, growing our congregations as though that was the biggest thing, making our congregations bigger than, each, uh, than others and often taking members from each other as well. Have we been so engrossed in building our kind of image of God, a God of entertainment, a God of excitement, that we have so often forgotten what God really is like? It's something that is very sobering to think about. Where the church is more engrossed in building up its finances, its membership, in running church. And we have so much neglected what it is for God to be present with us. A loving, caring, devoted God who wants to live among us. And when people see the church then, do they see just a big edifice? Glorious, we say, glorious in its building. Glorious in its way we worship in the flawless things that we do. But do they see God, the God who wants to be their ruler, who rules as a servant, who loves them so much, he would give his life for them? People still long for God, not for the image of God that we portray to them, but to the God who showed himself in Jesus Christ, whose life is recorded in the Gospels and in the Bible. And so here is what we need to think about once again. First, do we seek after God? Do we seek after God with a passion. You know our church is called Agape Methodist Church and the aspiration that we had when we named this church and I was one of those who found this name for the church is that we know the love of God. Have we been seeking to know how high and deep, how wide and far God's love is for us? Have we stopped to ask God, God, show me how much you love us, show me your presence, show us your presence with us and how precious we are to you? Or have we been so engrossed in running church, making sure it works, it's often fighting with each other over many things and forgetting that the message we need for ourselves and for our community is that God is here. God wants to rule in a loving, gentle, caring way. Second, let's ask ourselves, have we been busy marketing our church? We should not be marketing church. We should be out loving the community as a church, loving our community. We don't go out to find ways of attracting people in the church in different ways where we can get people to come in. But rather we go out and we ask God for one thing, give me your heart for the community. Open my eyes to see the lives of the people around and longing for you. And then show me how to help them know that you are God for them. Let's go out with that prayer. Each Sunday after service, walk around walk around in Taman Jurong, go to the food courts, ask God this question, 
this prayer, help me to see your love for these people. When we begin to do that, these two things, this church will be transformed. It will be brought back to what it was meant to be, agape, Methodist church, the church that knows and reflects the love of God. But you know, it's even more than that. John the Baptist says, I came just to proclaim repentance, turn around, because God is here. But Jesus, who comes now, and Jesus who has come to us already, baptizes us with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is with us now. And so his message is far more powerful than the message that John the Baptist had, who, though in the wilderness, drew all of Jerusalem and Judea to him to hear the message. We now have Jesus among us, who baptizes, who pours upon us fire, fire and passion, and the Holy Spirit. That we may minister, will we then seek that power, not for ourselves, not to glorify ourselves, but that power to love the com the community and the power to go out to minister and know that God ministers. We do not serve a dead God. We do not use all our efforts to maintain a dead church. We serve a God who is with us, who empowers us, who pours, who baptizes, as in immerses us with His fire and the Holy Spirit. Let's spend time, not just today, but perhaps a year, two years, just seeking God. Just asking God, come upon us once again as you have promised. Let us know that you have come and that you rule in our lives. Let us pray. Father, you have such a powerful message for us that you are here with us, present with us in all your power and all your love. But Father, we have missed this. So often we are engrossed in running church, marketing church. And God, with each step of hardness in our hearts, we solidify the judgment against us. We turn the community away from us. We portray a hateful, selfish God to the community. And God, we are sorry. We are very sorry, God. Father, help us to seek you once again. Help us to know your heart and your love for us and your love for our community. And so God once again stir in our hearts a desire, a longing for you. And that may consume our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our actions. And then, Lord, we may know that you are so close to us and you come upon us. Let this be for us as a church and as individuals. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, God bless you. Meet you all again tomorrow.